Hi and welcome everyone to the I Have a Dream podcast where host Rajan Navani initiates candid conversations with industry leaders and experts to explore their aspirations for India as we enter a golden period. Rajan is the national chairman of CII's Council on Future Businesses, India at 75 and the Artificial Intelligence Task Force and chairman, managing director and CEO of Jet Synthesis. Today's episode features Professor Abhay Karandikar, director of IIT Kanpur, where he talks about his vision of a technologically advanced India at 100. To find out more, stay tuned. Okay, a very good afternoon to all of you ladies and gentlemen and thank you for joining this session on I have a dream for India paving the road for a technologically advanced India at 100 the India of 2047 as you know our prime minister uh, refers to is definitely one where you know the golden era of India will get unlocked i think we are moving from india at 75 you know 75 years of an independent india where we have achieved a lot uh, in these years and we are celebrating that as a part of amrit mahotsav but i think it's also time for us to to reflect and see how we can make the next 25 years far more meaningful for india to be able to establish its position uh, in in the global world in in a world where india will play a far more prominent role than what it has played in the past or continues to play today and i think uh, you know with us as a country now taking on the presidency of the g20 uh, i think it's a momentous year as well uh, for cii which is not only the uh, secretariat for the b20 that is you know working uh, with uh, with the indian government and the other g20 nations for the future of the economy of the world but also a platform for cii to be able to strengthen india's contribution to the world on a on an agenda and a platform that brings multiple stakeholders together uh, i think a holistic development of india is what will lead us uh, to that position the india at 75 journey over the past 15 years has definitely been one where we have seen that unfold in, in many many ways and i think the role of academia uh, to be able to make that possible uh, has been a very very important one and i think we'll join with us and uh, you know joining us today is professor vekarandikar who not only you know is as uh, the director of the most premier institute uh, as most like to say in the country the indian institute of technology kanpur but also represents a sector that has enabled and recognized indians around the world you know technology uh, as as the face of the future and i think you know the iit brand in in in, in turning out you know engineers and entrepreneurs and leaders today you know across the world is unprecedented so thank you uh, abel for joining us you know before joining iit kanpur abel served for nearly 24 years you know as a professor in iit bombay so i think it's a lifetime of iit for you uh, you know and you probably have seen so many students you know uh, who you have touched you know do such great things you know in the world and i think our goal here you know where is to see how we can really mobilize this and channelize this at scale uh, not only for you know india but also for the world you know professor is also a founding member and former chairman of uh, tdsi 
Uh, he's also been a member of TRAI, the Telecom Regulatory you know, Authority of India, and has founded and mentored startups, of course, in many, many areas, but telecom and networking are two areas that has you know, been very close to Abhay's uh, heart. I think he's a member of the Technology Innovations Group on 6G, chairs the 6G Spectrum Task Force set up by the Department of Telecom, and has several patents that are issued and pending you know, contributions to IEEE, 3GPP standards, contributed a large number of books and papers. And here really is somebody you know, who we are looking at engaging in a conversation that will enable us uh, to really put technology and India as a technology powerhouse you know, on, on the global map. So again, thank you, Abhay, for joining us in this discussion uh, today. And you know, to begin with, we always talk of in India uh, you know, that will be built on the pillars of, of course, economic strength and moral leadership. But I think, you know, technological advancement is, is, is going to be a key driver of the future of India. So if you were uh, to just create a vision of a technologically advanced India, and in India at 125 years from today, how, how would you envision that? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Rajan, first of all, uh, for inviting me uh, for this and having a conversation with you. Uh, uh, as uh, you know, for uh, your question that uh, how, what is our vision for a technologically advanced India at 100? Uh, I think it is, uh, as you rightly mentioned, that in the last uh, 25 years or so, we have made uh, uh, tremendous progress. Uh, but going forward, um, uh, we believe that we need a, a strong focus on research and uh, innovations in the key technology uh, areas. Uh, we are, I mean, in fact, we are envisioning a technologically advanced India where we are creating our own intellectual property, where we are our, creating our own designs, we are creating our own manufacturing capabilities and using technology in key economic sectors. And that would mean like particularly we become strong in the digital technologies, which is going to touch almost, uh, you know, every sector of uh, 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 our day-to-day uh, -day living, but in the medical and the health sector, in the agriculture technology, in infrastructures and logistics, uh, we use uh, uh, and create, uh, uh, you know, um, a strong, uh, intellectual property design and manufacturing regime where we are not only, you know, developing products and creating research and innovations, but we become a country where we are driving the evolution of the technology to the next generations. And uh, as you, I mean, as you mentioned in my bio that I have been working in the telecom sectors primarily and particularly in the telecom sector, uh, for example, India did not have any voice in the 2G, 3G, or 4G. But when we set up the Telecom Standards Development Society of India, we became an organizational partner of 3GPP, and we have made some contributions to 5G, and maybe we'll make the uh, next generation. But if I look at uh, India at 100, we would like to be in a position where we drive the evolution of the technology and not just become, first, you know, we were consumer of, let's say, wireless communications. Maybe we will become a developer 
uh, of technology where we developed our own indigenous products. But going forward, maybe India at 100, we would like to be in the driving seat where we are driving the technology evolution in a manner which makes our country not only you know the technologically strong but also create technologies which makes every sections of our society both socially and financially inclusive so i think that is the kind of vision uh, that uh, i think uh, we need to uh, set for uh, and uh, uh, and i think uh, we can do this uh, uh, i'm i'm pretty confident that uh, we have uh, in that sense you know uh, a tremendous uh, opportunity uh, for us as a country uh, to play a significant role in the global technology landscape. No, I, I think that's a very, very powerful uh, vision that you you have you know laid out there. And I know uh, you know uh, kind of driving the evolution of any new technology at a global scale, and especially the types that we are talking of. You know where there is already a precedent, right? 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G, maybe, I don't know, 7, 8G tomorrow, right? You know, what do you think would, you know, be the things that we need to be able to address on priority? It, I mean, maybe, you know, two opportunities uh, or, you know, two things that, you know, we should be enhancing, strengthening, building upon, and maybe, you know, two challenges, right, that you that you see, you know, as we, as we look at, as, you know, unlocking our technology aspirations for, for our yeah, so I think the two uh, big uh, opportunity that we have in our favor is that, you know, we have a very uh, young uh, population uh, and uh, uh, there's a huge untapped potential uh, of uh, our youth population, uh, which uh, I think with the right focus and with the right directions, uh, we can channelize this entire energy of the youth population that is you know one really one big opportunity in favor of us the second opportunity is that you know india being uh, one of the uh, uh, you know uh, uh, second largest in terms of population and also an aspirational society we have a very big market ourselves so we can actually create technology and technology enabled solution to address, uh, you know, our own society itself. So these are really uh, two big challenge, uh, two big opportunities uh, that we have in front of us in order to become a technologically advanced uh, country. Now, uh, the challenges uh, that uh, we have is, uh, uh, even though, you know, uh, as I mentioned, that uh, in the last few years, uh, we have made uh, tremendous progress, there is still uh, a lot needs to be done in order to create a strong ecosystem of uh, innovations. Uh, we have had, uh, you know, a very strong ecosystem of startups, uh, uh, you know, led by our young entrepreneurs and engineers uh, in the recent years. But uh, we still need to create an ecosystem of startups which create, uh, which are working in the high tech areas. Uh, you know, which are working in the, which are developing products uh, in the key technology uh, sectors, which are developing advanced technologies uh, and uh, uh, which really developed, you know, globally competitive products. So, uh, you know, we had, you know, few startups which are working it in mainly the softwares or in the information technology. 
domain or in the service sectors. But I think now going forward, we really need to create more and more uh, you know, startups which create innovative technologies to address the problem of, let's say, our farmers and increase the yield and productivity uh, in the agriculture sectors. Innovative technologies uh, develop medical devices, equipments, products indigenously, which actually help and improve the quality of our life and provide affordable health care uh, you know, at a competitive price and equal to a world-class level for our doctors and so on. We need technologies which can improve and build our infrastructure at, uh, you know, and make it again world-class and competitive. So we really need now, you know, entrepreneurs and companies and industries which innovate and use the technologies to address sort of these problems. We still, I think, need to create a strong ecosystem uh, of uh, innovations in that. And I think that is the reason, I, as you know, that our prime minister has given this slogan of Jai Anusandhan. And this Jai Anusandhan coupled with startups in these key technology sectors uh, is really the need of the hour. Uh, and as I mentioned, we have two big opportunities in our favor. We have a huge untapped youth potential and we ourselves could be the consumer of uh, the these uh, technology elements and components uh, which will be created uh, uh, in uh, by our own people i think you know you use that word Sandhan, and i think it's so important right because innovation actually only happens when people are willing to take risk right and and you know uh, i think the the culture or an ecosystem like what you rightly said gets shaped when we accept failure you know, especially yes. when we know there are good attempts that are being made. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of those situations, uh, you know, in, in your, uh, you know, years here. So how, how, do you, how do you get people to, how do you encourage them when they fail? I mean, it's just an interesting question. Like, you know, what's your, what do you, what do you tell them when, when something doesn't work out or, or things like that? No, I think uh, we just need to continue to motivate uh, uh, people and uh, make sure uh, that uh, their enthusiasm and energy and passion uh, is still there. I think the failure uh, 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 is actually the uh, part of the life. And uh, unless, you know, we, uh, unless we have a failures, we cannot really get success. So I think uh, it is really very important uh, uh, for, uh, uh, you know, our young engineers and entrepreneurs to, uh, to sort of understand and uh, therefore, uh, uh, you know, the key task here is that, you know, uh, that our experienced leaders uh, and experienced professionals really motivate and channelize the energy uh, of our youth. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think we need to create an environment where we can incentivize, uh, you know, particularly if I see that if you want to create an ecosystem, then we really need to have a... Uh, framework where we incentivize uh, the productivity, we incentivize our engineers, we incentivize uh, entrepreneurs, and at the same time, we incentivize our innovators and researchers so that, you know, they really get motivated to give their best. So, I mean, that is really, uh, you know, uh, we would, we should create in order to uh, create our vision of a technologically advanced country. Uh, for India at 100.
know, and there are you know great global examples, you know, Silicon Valley and others which have created those ecosystems. Of course, India will shape up very differently, you know, and build it very differently. And one of the you know attempts that CII is also doing, you know, as an industry representative for private sector, public sector, and for industry at large, is to see how we can you know work with Silicon Valley and other such you know uh, ecosystems around the world and add it in an Indian context, right? And see how to you know uh, strengthen and enhance that. But you know as we talk about you know, accelerating technology development in India, right? I think the role of private sector, you know, because all these, you know, students who come out from your, you know, institutes and others, they either become entrepreneurs or they work with the private sector. And, you know, the ability for private sector to drive, you know, rapid, uh, you know, accelerated change on the technology development side, it is critical. So how, how do you see the role of private sector? Because I'm sure you work, closely with, with a lot and you have a good view on the private sector in India today? No, I think uh, the private sector have a huge role to play. Uh, in fact, as we have seen, as you mentioned, you know, that you, I mean, you took the example of Silicon Valley, but in general also uh, in the US, uh, you have seen uh, that, you know, the private sector industry has played a great role, uh, not only towards the creation of the job and wealth creation, but also actually developing the uh, globally competitive technologies and driving the uh, you know R&D innovation. So I think the private sector has a huge role to play. And uh, I would really like uh, our private sector industries uh, to uh, really create uh, an environment of a corporate R&D uh, in the private sectors where they can continuously innovate and develop the technologies in order to be, uh, you know, globally competitive and developing the technologies and products uh, indigenously. And uh, in this context, uh, I think uh, I believe that the government has a role to incentivize uh, the private sectors in a manner in which, you know, the private sectors will be uh, encouraged and incentivized uh, to create a culture of innovations. I mean, this Jai Anusandhan uh, should really become the motto of the private sector industry. And the government really should uh, uh, create a system of incentives uh, so that, you know, the uh, other industry can take a lead role in technology uh, innovations uh, in, you know, almost all sectors of economy. So I think uh, that's really uh, something we need to, uh, uh, you know, need to create. Yeah, you know, because the culture of R&D, you know, in India, even if you talk of traditional businesses and larger corporates, right, compared to the rest of the world, you know, what private sector spends on R&D is a much smaller number than what, you know, you see in the rest of the world. So, you know, we, I think what you rightly say, we've got to nurture this culture. I think there's a deep need for a partnership with institutions like yours, you know, the academia industry partnership can also play a very key role, you know. And so, how do we really build this culture, right, in India? And do you have some good examples, you know, maybe over the over your career, you know, where some of these things that have worked well, you know, uh, from an R&D perspective, and you know, maybe share some thoughts around how to really build this at scale. You know, we have 25 years. 25 years is a long period. But, you know, we have to measure our 
are you know this marathon in 400 meter sprints, right? So if we say what is it that we do today, then we can see the fruits of in say two three years to know that we are you know shaping this culture. How how would you look at that? Yeah, I think uh, you are absolutely right that we really need to build that industry academy partnerships. And in fact, in almost all the technologically advanced countries, such, such as US or Europe, there has been a very, very strong uh, partnership uh, between industry and academia. The role of the academia uh, typically in such situation is to develop, I mean, is to do the front-end research in the high-tech areas, uh, develop, uh, you know, um, uh, innovative processes or innovative solutions uh, or intellectual property. And the role of the industry is really to take uh, that innovations uh, and that intellectual property and uh, develop it into a commercializable, deployable uh, product and take it to the market. And that's where really the role of the industry is. Uh, now, uh, in order that you know this industry, I mean, uh, academia collaboration uh, can be scaled, I think what is really needed. Uh, is a framework where both industry and academia uh, can start working on the technology innovation as a partner and not like as an afterthought. Right now, you know, for example, in IITs, we have a framework where the any innovations or the technology which is developed by a faculty member uh, or in the lab or something that can be licensed to the technology uh, to the uh, industry which is interested. So, if I develop a technology, then of course. I will look for the licensing partners. So, and if there is some now such uh, things, I mean, although they have been successful, but uh, you know, maybe we achieve only five to ten or twenty percent success. I think really what is needed is that right from the beginning itself, the beginning of the research itself, the industry uh, and the academia they work together, where industry really brings the market feedback. It really brings uh, the things that. What is really are the pressing pressing problems in the key sectors and how they can be solved using technology and then work with the researchers in the academia to develop finally a solution which is not only you know technologically advanced but also you know can be deployed uh, at an affordable uh, price and which can be sort of commercialized and address uh, the market needs. Uh, so now this uh, kind of partnership to develop, uh, we need to make uh, investment uh, and funding uh, in the research uh, and uh, innovation. And uh, uh, this also needs, you know, uh, incentive uh, from the government for uh, this kind of partnerships. So I would say that uh, if we have schemes and policies, I mean, currently some schemes and policies do exist where the joint research projects of industry and academy are funded uh, by the government. But I think this needs to be done in a much more scaled up fashion than only, uh, you know, at a few places uh, here or there or in a few areas. This really needs to be scaled up at a much larger level. Another thing that I would say that in general, like in India, uh, in R&D funding is done by the government uh, or, you know, Let's look at our uh, uh, the needs of our defense. I mean, the defense itself has a huge requirements for uh, you know uh, technologically advanced solution. Another one is the space sector. You know, ISRO, where we have again a huge requirements uh, for the uh, 
technologically advanced uh, solutions and also an opportunity for us. Typically, you know, what has happened is that, that all the R&D funding has been either in the public institutions or in the R&D labs or in the academia. Uh, but I think uh, we really need to make some investments even in the private sectors and in the industry uh, as well, uh, where, uh, you know, uh, the industry is really incentivized uh, 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 to kickstart because somewhere we have to make a beginning. At least, you know, we have to come uh, to a level in the beginning uh, by giving some seed investments uh, so that, uh, you know, even the industries are encouraged uh, to work with the academia and uh, then ultimately set up uh, their own corporate R&D labs, uh, 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 you know, uh, and finally, of course, uh, it is quite likely that uh, even the industry R&D uh, can be driving uh, some of the technology innovation. And sometimes you know, even the industry R&D can do the basic research uh, as well. So really, I think uh, in the next 25 years, we should uh, reach a stage where not only the academia and industry partnership is strengthened, but also the industry has a own in-house R&D culture uh, of uh, uh, doing an advanced technological research. So I think uh, that is really, I think, the goal uh, that we need to set. No, no, you've been very kind to private sector industry <laughs> to say that private sector is not taking enough risk. Right? I think, I think somewhere if we truly want to have the vision, you know, that you have talked where we will drive the evolution of new technologies. I think you know there is a commitment, there is an investment that is required. You know that happens over a period of time, right? Before you start unlocking and seeing the value of what is being invested, and there will be failures. And I think somewhere, as an as a private sector, especially, you know, you have to see how you can absorb those those risks. You know, as you move, you know, on the journey. And you know, we I I moved from a traditional business which was a large-scale manufacturing and textiles packaging to what you rightly mentioned, you know, digital technology-led, playing a role in daily digital life of people. And, and, you know, while digital adoption, you know, is, is already quite significant and strong, still need to invest significantly in, you know, helping, shaping the consumer behavior, you know, in a manner that makes it, you know, business-wise, you know, uh, viable, right? And I think, I think there are so many nuances to new technologies and how do you really make that happen? That it requires a constant invest investment from private sector, you know, to, to see that emerge, you know, successfully. And I think, you know, given that industry sectors themselves are changing nomenclature today, right? Like today, when you talk of healthcare, you don't talk healthcare, you talk health tech, you talk med tech, you talk infra tech, you talk, you know, logitech, right? The word tech clearly means that it's so integrated into every industry sector that I'm sure we'll see, you know, a, a lot of that. And, and, you know, given that you represent an education institution and you rightly said that the power of our future is our young population, you know, one in 10 people in the world today is an Indian under the age of 25. I think that's a very powerful statistic. And we know that same young Indian and what that has led, you know, that face has changed technology around the world. Uh, so, as young people want to become part of the, the technology ecosystem, right? Uh, what, what's your advice to them? How do you, uh, what will you tell them, right? And, and, and how do you 
of course, you said motivate them, but, but what's your message to young people of this country who want to get into the technology ecosystem? Yeah, I think uh, my message is that, uh, you know, uh, this is really um, a great time uh, to be uh, young and innovative. Uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, I should have been now <laughs> at the age of 25 or 30, then a lot more ideas, uh, <laughs> you know, there is a, because there is a right ecosystem is getting developed, right uh, mindset is there, right government policies uh, are there, there is an appetite, and overall, there is an atmosphere of encouragement and incentivism. So I think this is really the right time. And my therefore message to youth will be that they should really exploit the opportunity that is being provided today uh, by this ecosystem and really uh, 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 make best use uh, of uh, the opportunities uh, to address uh, uh, you know, the problems uh, and to address the solutions uh, that are needed. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, number one advice. And number two is uh, uh, they shouldn't get uh, discouraged by initial hiccups uh, uh, or any initial uh, failure because uh, uh, the sea of opportunity is so vast uh, that even if they have sort of initial hiccups, uh, I'm confident that in the next uh, uh, two decades uh, or so, uh, they will uh, have, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, so much chances of uh, becoming a uh, successful technologist or entrepreneurs or industrialist or, uh, uh, you know, a researcher or innovator uh, that they can be, you know, at, at two decades later can be really in the driving uh, seat. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, I mean, in short, my message is that that uh, they should really seize the opportunity that is now be, being provided uh, by today's environment. You know, so you nicely said, right, that if you were young today, you know, you would love to be. So what, what triggered your entry into technology, you know, whenever it did, <laughs> resuming two and a half, three decades ago? Yes, yes. No, no, I think uh, uh, we, I mean, our my interest uh, in the technology area, particularly in the electrical engineering and the telecom technology, uh, has been really the fascination uh, that uh, this uh, the basic thing like the voice communication or the video communication offers uh, an uh, opportunity for us to get uh, digitally connected. And that was really, you know, that uh, fascination uh, with the technology. And today, as we have seen, as the technology has progressed, you know, the digital technology has progressed. Uh, it is not only being used for just voice or video communication, but uh, we have reached a stage uh, where even, uh, you know, uh, devices and things are in getting interconnected with each other, uh, you know, in an era of uh, Internet of Things. Uh, so I think. Uh, uh, so that's really, you know, quite exciting. I mean, if you look at like 25 years back uh, or 30 years back when, you know, I was researching on the uh, wireless communication, it was primarily only a cellular phone. Like, a, and, and the key concern was that 
how do you use a telephone when you are on the go like when you are mobile from that era you have come to an era where you know these things uh, uh, are uh, or billions of devices can get interconnected and talk uh, or exchange you know messages uh, with each other uh, so uh, so i think this has been in that sense a fascinating journey not only for, from the point of view of technological evolutions but from my own uh, point of view where i was uh, intimately watching at, at times contributing uh, to this journey that's very interesting because you and i are connected on a very similar uh, wavelength there because i i also majored in digital signal processing and image processing and i still remember you know when i was working on jpeg standards at that time and said oh we have to you know transmit a same image you know in a much smaller file size and then mpeg that emerged you know how do you take motion pic you know capture yeah. and, and you know communicate that right in your real time that excitement to of course when i worked with nasa and then came back you know that 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 exposure in the ability you know for young people to engage with things that are exciting today but then try and understand what that will mean 20 years from today 10 years from today is is a phenomenally exciting journey and you know somewhere along the way you know young people will will find their key uh, strength or you know their key passion and then once they attach to that i think like you know both of our examples and millions others right there is no end to what you can achieve so i i would join you in telling young people uh, that you know they are born pretty much technologically native as they say today compared to earlier generations and they should leverage that you know uh, significant I think, uh, yeah i think one more thing that has happened is that uh, you know the today uh, we are living like in a global village and uh, therefore uh, you know access to information and access to how the technological landscape is changing it is now available to us uh, instantly i mean almost and uh, uh, in, i mean you don't have to travel uh to the us or europe but you can almost uh, sitting here can imagine you know how the technology is working and we are almost having access to state of the art uh, uh, you know technology uh just because now you know we are living it in a global uh, sort of village and uh, this is uh, uh, actually also provides an opportunity because um, we could almost uh, i mean our young population or our innovators or our researchers have an opportunity to develop and leapfrog uh, the technology uh, in that sense you know unlike you know in the earlier years in 20 years or 30 years back when you know uh, we really did not have access not only to the technology but also did not have access to information or there was always a delay uh, in uh, you know Uh, of access of information or access of technology so now that is also uh, i think a big opportunity that uh, today's young uh, people have yeah no no absolutely you know and and it's exciting and interesting right because you know when you talk of the future of india of india of 2047 being driven by the evolution of new technologies right many of them are in very nascent stages today right so i i mean this will be interesting to get your point of view you know on so many new emerging technologies today right be it be it the drone technology be it the chip in the brain right be it uh, you know 3d printing you know uh, and so many others right what what do you 
find most exciting. I mean, if, I know they're all very exciting and they can all shape very differently, but personally to you, is there something that you find more exciting than other things? Uh, no, I think uh, for me, the most exciting technological evolutions that will happen is that when, uh, you know, we will have uh, uh, this integration of the satellite and the drones kind of technology with the today's uh, 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 wireless phones. So, in fact, that uh, perhaps would enable uh, a scenario where we are able to carry the video calls uh, uh, you know, very seamlessly uh, while, you know, the, your uh, flight is taking off and uh, you are uh, uh, in the flight. Even then you are continuing the conversations, uh, both voice and video, as seamlessly as you were doing uh, when you were on the road. So I think uh, that is really a possibility. Uh, and uh, that means, you know, uh, the next generation of this technology will bring all these diverse platforms, whether it is satellite or whether it is unmanned aerial vehicles or whether it is cars or whether it is uh, bullet trains or high-speed trains uh, or whether it is aircraft, they are all integrated in a, a seamless fashion. And I think uh, that is a really, uh, I see an opportunity where, uh, uh, you know, uh, we will have a... Uh, 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 you know, uh, a very seamless experience uh, of uh, uh, <clears throat> the digital connectivity. No, absolutely. And then also with devices changing so rapidly, maybe you would just wear an eyeglass and you're seeing it on that. You don't need anything or probably absolutely. nothing else. It becomes completely seamless. And I think that's the excitement about the role of technology in shaping the future, you know, of, of the world. And, and you know, India's opportunity, you know, therein, I think, lies lies in that. You know, I know we've, I don't know how we've spent so about 35 minutes already discussing this. I know we have five, seven minutes and we might have one or two questions. But, you know, before I get to that, you know, where you've been so, uh, you know, uh, so clear on, on on the potential of India, right? And I, and I know it is something that doesn't come naturally, right? It comes, you know, over a period of time, seeing some great things that are happening, seeing the pockets of excellence, you know, uh, for India. But, you know, when you when you go to bed, right, we all dream, you know, uh, and, and and if I were to say, you know, and ask you, like, you know, what, what is your dream? I know we had a vision, but, you know, dream for India at 100 is a little, you know, you can, you can add as much to it, you know, beyond the realistic vision, right? It's, it's the dream for India. So what is it, what is it for, for India at 100 that comes from your heart? What, what do you really wish for India? What do you want it to be? And how do you see that? No, I think the uh, dream for me is that, you know, we are like a global superpower. And today, uh, like, you know, what is happening is that, you know, we are always looking towards the West, uh, you know, uh, where uh, uh, the, the, the Googles or Facebooks or Amazons of the world uh, they are there in the U.S. and we have the Silicon Valley in the U.S. and we are always looking towards this. Maybe India at 100, I have a dream where the rest of the world is looking towards India. We are, uh, you know, not going to U.S. or Europe, but rather the U.S. and the Europe and the rest of the people are coming here and they are all excited and see. Now, like, for example, we get excited, oh, there is Silicon Valley. I hope that India at 100 
I dream where you know rest of the world people will come and see. Oh, look at this Kanpur! You know how exciting things are happening. What is what this technology uh, they have developed? And maybe you know I can emulate that model and go back to San Francisco and do this. So this is really uh, you know what I would uh, really dream uh, that you know we reach to that stage of a global superpower. No, no, I think that's 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 so brilliant. And with people like you at the helm of you know large and right institutions in the country, I'm sure that dream can be converted to 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 a reality you know much sooner than than that. Otherwise, I think it's a very, very exciting time. Like what you rightly said for India, a beautiful dream, you know, for all of us to to dream together and and execute, right, as we move towards uh, India at hundred. You know, there are a couple of questions that have come to me, you know, from some of the uh, uh, participants as well as you know those who are looking at shaping uh, some of this. One of the questions is that you know uh, when you look at uh, you know inclusivity. In, in the development of India, right? The role of technology, uh, and you know, how is inclusive India, you know, going to be shaped through this? Are we achieving our sustainable development goals uh, to create a sustainable global future, right? How will the role of technology come in in in, in helping shape that? Yeah, I think I already mentioned that that we we really need to become uh, technologically advanced and. Uh, use the technology to be socially and financially uh, and environmentally sort of inclusive. So obviously, I think uh, uh, it is important that, you know, when we develop the technology, uh, we, that we develop the technology by taking into account a sustainable future. Otherwise, uh, you know, uh, we will reach uh, India at 100. We would have all the technology, but uh, we will go down uh, the path of extinction very rapidly. So I think it is very, very important uh, to develop uh, a sustainable uh, technology from the point of view of inclusion. And secondly, I think also it is important that when we develop the technology or when we become a technologically advanced nation, uh, we uh, include all sections of the society uh, and you know the entire population whether it is living it in the uh, cities or whether it is living in uh, urban areas or whether they are living it in the rural areas or whether they are living it in the far flung areas, we have to be really creating a uh, sustainable, uh, inclusive future for everyone. So I think that's really uh, has to be the technological landscape uh, uh, in terms of you know uh, the development. No, thank you. And I think it makes complete sense. I think we have to figure that that piece out because otherwise, what uses technology if it's not solving real world challenges and problems, especially around sustainability? You know, uh, the other question is like, how do we create more IITs in India? How do we get more institutions of excellence in India? No, I think, uh, see, in uh, we don't have to create IITs. I think we have a large number of uh, colleges, institutions, and universities. Uh, and as I already mentioned that uh, we have a very uh, large young and youth population who has a tremendous potential and they have a large untapped potential. So it is not that you know we, we have to create more IITs. What is really needed is that uh, we have to increase the quality of all of our existing institutions. 
I mean, we need to be in a situation where we don't have to say that this is an IIT. We should, all our academic institutions should really come up uh, to the same level. And that means, you know, we have to really put uh, our energy and our uh, resources uh, in making sure that how do we make both public and private institutions and colleges and universities to increase uh, their quality? Uh, how do we create a culture of research and innovation, uh, not just in IITs, but in all other, all our institutions and colleges? And also, how do we create an environment uh, uh, and a framework where uh, young students, whether they are studying in IITs or whether they are studying in other colleges, uh, they really get uh, encouraged uh, uh, to do uh, innovations, to do R&D, uh, and uh, you know, to, to do the technology development. So I think that is one very, very uh, important focus, uh, 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 I think, that we need to have. And uh, this is uh, really one of the uh, challenge uh, that we have, that uh, how do we uh, make our academic institution stronger, uh, you know, and uh, create an R&D ecosystem in these academic institutions. So I think a follow-on question to that, you know, and probably this will be the last question is, do you want to share a little more insight uh, or information on the artificial heart being built by IIT Kanpur? And is it going to be a game changer in the sector of healthcare globally? The question that has come to you. No, actually, uh, we are uh, uh, we are developing uh, the left ventricular assist device. Uh, it is not yet in a form where I mean, it, because you know such complex uh, uh, such complex devices uh, require significant uh, uh, sort of a, a efforts uh, because not only you know. Uh, uh, the device uh, will undergo animal trials and then later on human clinical trials. It Before that, it needs to come up to a shape uh, where it is ready uh, even for animal trials. So right now we are developing it in the lab. And yes, it is a moonshot uh, project uh, in that sense. Uh, if it is successful, uh, then yes, uh, it will revolutionize, uh, uh, you know, uh, the... Uh, medical implants industry. We are working with the top doctors. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Devi Shetty uh, and his team and several other cardiac surgeons, we have been very closely uh, interacting and uh, uh, they have been advising us. Uh, and uh, hopefully with their advice uh, and our team, uh, maybe in a year and a half time, uh, you know, maybe in 2024 uh, sometime, uh, we will be in a situation uh, where you know we will have uh, a device uh, ready, and uh, that will really, uh, you know, if it is successful, then that will really uh, be a game changer in the affordable healthcare. No, I, and actually, Devi was, you know, spoke to us on exactly India hundred of the future, and I think the right word you use the affordability, right, which India can create the frugality with which we can innovate. You know, it's it's, it's very different. And what a lovely note to, you know, to, to bring this conversation to a close away because, you know, you started by saying that we have to drive the evolution of new technologies. And here is something which you called a moonshot, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but which has to become a process probably for India, you know. Uh, yes. and, uh, 
then what you rightly said, all of San Francisco will be coming to Kanpur to find what to take back there. And I think that no, that is the that is the dream. That is since you ask, you know, what is a dream? Then that is a dream. <laughs> it's such an exciting dream, you know. And I remember this conversation with Honorable Prime Minister. This was back in when India was celebrating India at 60, and Professor C.K. Prahlad had come from the U.S. and we had met him uh, and you know talked about the vision for India at 75, Amrit Mahotsav as CII. And one of the things that C.K. and we had put in our vision document was that India should aspire to have 10 Nobel Prize winners, you know, by the time we joined India at 75. And you know, Prime Minister then he was talking in Hindi and he said, you know, C.K. was getting hassled because. You know, he was speaking English. He's saying, no, what I mean is we have to create a culture of intellectual, you know, uh, transformation in this country so we can aspire. To which he said, he said, I understand now. Bharat has an award that should be given to the world to award for the world. Now, Nobel Prize is going So basically, similar to what you said, San Francisco coming to Kanpur is about the world coming to India to seek you know, uh, from India, what is the right thing and what is the good thing? And I think that shift of power will automatically yeah. put us into a very different position, you know, in the world. So, again, thank Absolutely. you for such a lovely, engaging and enriching conversation. It's uh, been a pleasure chatting with you. And we'll take you up uh, many times along this journey of the next 25 years uh, as we thank work you. to build a great India. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. This was Professor Abhay Karandekar, Director of IIT Kanpur, in an insightful conversation with host Rajan Navani, where he shared how strong research and innovation will be the pillar of a technologically advanced India, among many other factors. Thank you all for tuning into the I Have a Dream podcast. Stay tuned for more conversations where we explore what India has overcome and what India can do to become a strong leader as we enter a golden period.